Hi, I'm your host, Aaron, and welcome to the First Generations Podcast, the show where we dive into the personal experience and knowledge of individuals that pave their path to success on their own terms. From entrepreneurs, professionals, and beyond, we will learn what it takes to walk through their journey and what it means to be first generation. Coming up in this episode, it's a constant journey, but just know that you know there's more to life than the life you're living if you're not in living the life that you want to live. Sounds yes. really like I rhymed that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the life that you want to live is doable. That's out there. You know, you just got to be willing to try and like, I'm not saying I'm the first one to try, but if I can do it, man, anybody can do it. It's the same people that are, did it before me. Welcome to the First Generations Podcast. Gia's guest started working out at the age of 15 and began training in mixed martial arts in 2007. He has trained with top tier clubs in Thailand, competed in the Havoc Fighting Championships for Mixed Martial Arts, and won multiple grappling tournaments in Canada. Based out of Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, he is the owner of the Fitness Academy and the Fitness Academy Combat, which is a place for people of all fitness levels to come and enjoy the process of getting in shape. Prior to all this, our guest was working in the oil field in Alberta, Canada, and was living a life without much freedom. The money was great, but the meaning in his life was slowly draining away. Ultimately, he decided to take action and left this behind to pursue what was important to him. He is now devoting his time to his passions while promoting a positive and powerful grit and hard work culture within the fitness community. I am honored and proud to present you our guest for today, Dave Pookie. Hi Dave, how are you doing? What's going on, man? That was a good intro. That got me fired up. That's a great way to start, right? Oh, man. First of all, your story is super inspirational, and I've heard about your story through a mutual friend of ours, Mike, and I just thought you'd be a perfect guest to come on. I personally look at you as a role model, and I think your story can really inspire and help motivate millions in our world that are so-called being in the rat race, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> to first start things off, like given our current situation, what is one thing that you are most excited about in your life right now? Oh, so that's a good question. It's I don't know. That's a great question. One thing I can think about right off the bat is just, I don't know, I'm super grateful. I'm definitely got a lot of gratitude. The thing that keeps me, that thing that I'm most excited about is I get to wake up still. Obviously, the world nowadays is, <laughs> could go on an, another podcast talking about the state of the world right now. But I'm just grateful that I get to get up every day still with all this stuff going on and uh, be around just such an amazing group of people that is just a daily reminder of like, I don't know, sometimes I use the word blessed, but just how grateful I am to get up and do what I love every day and try and make a positive infla- impact in other people's lives. But by doing that, it gives it gives me so much back as it's positive influence in my own life, being around such a great group of people. I'm fortunate to be able to do that. And it's always easy to look at the negatives in life, especially these days. But we, I always find like if you sit back and usually if you're looking for negatives, you're going to see the negatives. But if you sit back and look at the good things in your life, you know, life's for me right now, it's, 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 it's great still. It's, uh, I'm just blessed and fortunate and it's exciting getting to knowing that I get to get up tomorrow and, you know, who knows what the next year brings, but I know right now, you know, you live in the now and yeah, it's awesome, man. You mentioned something about the negatives in our world today. We have all these negative influences. It's always lingering, right? Do you have like a method of how you filter out the negatives away from the mind or anything like that? Cause it's inevitable, right? Yeah. It's a, uh, what's well, like anywhere you go, right? I know uh social media for me is huge just for like business and stuff, but it can be really toxic too. Just so you know, like, as you know, obviously, you know, not everyone is happy out there. I try to be a positive influence. You know, with that comes people that hate, like, hate on you too. That's what I've always, like, mentors of mine have always told me. But going back to your question, it's just looking for the good, you know, in everything. It's uh, 
there's so much negativity out there. If you focus on the negativity, it's so easy to spiral down. Sometimes I'll catch myself doing it and I'm just like, all I want to do is bitch about the shitty stuff in life. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, it's only because it's my direct focus of that's like, I'm not thinking about, I, I swear, man, gratitude. It's like, I think like a proven study too. Like if you focus on gratitude, it's a lot harder to be unhappy. It's if everyone just sat around and bitched about how shitty life is, like we'd all be miserable. 100%. You know, and it's, I know there are some people out there that have it a lot harder than others. Like that's just reality. I don't know. I just, I just find it's all mindset. It's a lot of mindset and then navigating where you look at, like what you're looking at. Like, you know, if you surround yourself with five negative, miserable people that just are shit talking other people or, you know, always like the poor me attitude, you're just going to be exactly like one of those people. 100%. Because you don't, you don't know what else, you know, you don't know any other way because that's all your day is, is filled with. Oh, yes. And the power of association is just truly Huge. remarkable. Speak of the power of association, you've built this community at with your business, TFA, the Fitness Academy. And I want to talk about that because. I came down to visit you around August of 2020, hoping to get, you know, our mutual friend a snapback. I know. Tell Mike, I, tell Mike I'm getting him a hat, man. I don't care if the freaking, I don't know. I'm getting him a hat this year. I promise. I'm embarrassed actually that I still haven't got him one, but, but yeah, I guess going back to it, like I came down to visit and while I was walking down the steps, the first thing I smelled was home. To me, it was home because you could smell the sweat, the hard work, the grit. And, you know, people put in, in work right off the bat for me, that made a huge impression. It's like, Hey, people are here to work and people are here to succeed. I want to take that to TFA's level. So during this pandemic, what are some struggles that you've faced with TFA and how have you pivoted as a result? Oh, so I think I'll answer that. There's been obviously a lot of struggles with all the health restrictions and regulations. I mean, honestly, like what you said, it's pretty much how we've pivoted, like the gym, you know, the TFA, it's, it's. Everyone always talks to me about how I started it, but the gym is not one person. You know, it's not me. It's not me. I'm just Dave. Like, you know, I, yeah, it's my gym, but the gym is a community of people that, like you said, feel like they have a place called home. Like the, I was like going to actually do a like, little Instagram story of all the messages I've received over the last two months. I'm not kidding you. Me and my girlfriend was, I mean, Ash was saying probably, probably 80, man. Like people are just being like, you know, like if, if it wasn't for this place, I don't know where I'd be. Like for the first time in my life, I felt like comfortable and like good about myself and, and that's with the combat gym and the strength gym, you know, and right now the combat gym's close, just close to the restrictions, but just kind of like how we've moved forward is just, there's days, you know, where sometimes I'm like, God, like, you know, like with the restrictions, like they're just making this fucking impossible for us in small businesses. And then, you know, but you just, I don't know, not giving up is number one like <laughs> in anything in life. Uh, Craig, a guy who I has been in, uh, one of my little business partners who always told, he told me, you know, and just something that sunk with me. It's like, you know, like so many people fold in at something they're doing because they're only looking at themselves in the business, you know, and like, well, I'm surrounded. I do it for all, all the other people, right. That depend on TFA. And the difference between the people that continue to do what they do in life is they just don't quit. And then the one usually, you know, 90% of people just fold because times get too hard, but the one percenter just keeps pushing forward because there's more at stake than just myself. And that's, that's the home of feeling. And that's why like the slogan, like the home of hard work, I can't even remember how I came up with it, but it was just like, <laughs> this is perfect for the gym because how you said like how pivot to get around it. It's just the people around me have continued to support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I always tell the people at the gym, like they're always like, well, this place has changed my life. Like I need TFA as much as it needs me. Cause it's the same way for me Is it, it gives me life. It gives me purpose and it makes me, you know, it makes me feel a lot. Yeah. You definitely hit a couple of key points there. And for me, I, I totally resonate with that, especially for myself. Every morning I wake up, I always talk, tell myself, I have it on my whiteboard. 
says the 1% does what the 99% won't willing to do, right? So yeah, that is powerful. And I love how for you, it, it doesn't seem like it's profit driven. It's totally value based and it's, it's for the great. Oh yeah. Good, I never right? got into this. I said to my girlfriend, I, I, I always refer to my girlfriend because she's pretty much my bubble. You know, <laughs> I just like, I never got into this to money. I did it to like, cause I want to, once I realized actually it's uh, ironic, my ex-wife's dad, he was a pretty big like entrepreneur. Okay. And he always, his name was Don Moss. And he always told me like the best feeling in the world is cha- helping other people change their life. And I never really got to see that until I started doing this. Yeah. And I realized that's what I've been, I got it. Not, a, I don't want to say addicted to, but that's like what I found my passion is. It's like, I don't judge people. I ever, I feel like everyone, you know, trying to help people become better people is just what's kept me moving forward. I don't okay. know if I started off topic. I can't remember what the question was, but something well, about the one percenter. Yeah. 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 We, <laughs> we just went on about this quote that, uh, yeah, but the one per- back to that one percenter thing, you know, it's like, I said to my, I said to Ash, I'm like, man, like some days it's just life's so fucking hard. And it's like, you know, you're asking yourself why, but I'm like, I don't have, what else do I, what I want to do? Yeah, I don't like this is all I know. This I don't want to say it's all I know. It's this is what I'm good at, and this the the, the little highs of like you know. There's if I gave up, it's I always tell people like the moment you give up is the moment it's over. That's why all the people you look up to that are like like you. I know you're saying it's a role model is flattering to me. Like the people that you look up to and value, they've been through so many hard times. People just think they just ended up how they are. They just didn't quit on all those hard times because it's so fucking easy just to say I'm done. Hundred percent. But you know, like, then what would your life be like? What would you have to do next? Something else is going to be hard. Throughout the tenure of you owning TFA, what is probably one of the most difficult moments that you had to endure from an entrepreneurship? Oh God! You want me to get my list out? Well, you want the monthly update, or you want to? Just kidding. It's up to you. And I've had a. I don't know if there's one single thing. I mean, I had a best friend overdose and die right around Christmas. As at the same time going through divorce. Oh, wow. That was probably the emotionally the hardest, you know, def- for sure, definitely. Yeah. For, yeah, that hand down, hands down the hardest. But there's been like, obviously, it's like someone told me, you know, it's like if you have this idea of being an entrepreneur and like you're just going to show up someday and you've made it and you don't have to work anymore, it's the, you're in the wrong thing. Okay. Yeah. It's always a grind and there's always hurdles. And uh, yeah, definitely like, the, yeah, I wouldn't wish it. Divorce is not fun, all that stuff. I've had a couple of business partners, you know, for like, or I had one, my, my friend, or who I started with, we ended up parting ways, not, and then COVID, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's just kind of like, there's, it's, it's just kind of like, there's always roadblocks, right? There's always speed bumps, but if you, you know, you just got to fucking roll over them, man. And that's how, that's how you keep going. 100% got to make the most out of it. <laughs> so with TFA, you've had some big names come to train at your gym, like the Jimmy Ben. And if, if I remember correctly, like Frank Mir was also training at your gym. I think it's a big deal. And I think it speaks volumes with, with the amount of success you guys you have had. So what are some programs offered at TFA just for our listeners? If they do ever decide to come and visit yeah, Victoria. Yeah, for sure. I've pretty much like, this is like, you know, I've dedicated my life to martial arts and training. Like I said, I started when I was younger. I go all, I, oh, we'll get into that after like where I've like gone and stuff to like, every yeah. time I go on a vacation, I'm like pretty much, I feel blessed because like a work trip but it's like there's no other thing i'd rather be doing than like i've made some really good connections down in los angeles with my friend bomba and joe Schilling and muscle yeah. farm all these gyms that i dreamed of as a kid like i read when i remember the first time i went to muscle farm because i ended up going to this place called the yard in california okay coach mark was like hey you want to spar bomb anymore he's good he's a bellator fighter and i never knew him and i was on vacation we went ended up going to war for five rounds 
I got a headache for like two days, but uh, <laughs> you know, you, you end up meeting these relationships. And then I got to go to muscle farm because he was a muscle farm athlete. And it was like, I remember when I was 16 years old and muscle farm all came out and it was like this pre-workout. I'm like, one day I'm going to go to muscle farm. And then next thing you know, I'm like in California, like in this in private training facility, like, fuck man, I made it. And it's, but just back to that, that, like just kind of being like, I've like, ded- like I dedicate my life to it because it's like what I literally love. So I'm like so fortunate and grateful that like, that's become my job. So everything I go do, I bring back to the gym, right? So it's yes. Started jujitsu about twelve years ago when I was twenty-one. It was not not like jujitsu is now. Like so, this guy John Pumps in Nanaimo, we would just show up to grappling class. I'm like, yeah, it was way different than jujitsu. Come way become way more of a sport now. It was still that back then, but uh, yeah, we offer we offer everything, man. So my goal was to be like a one-stop shop. I've been personal training since I was eighteen. I started in Nanaimo, BC, the athletic club there. Okay. Doing for about 13 years. So I just kind of like have everything, man. So our, our combat side, we have boxing, kickboxing, and jujitsu. Full, okay. full program for everything. And yes. then at the strength, strength and conditioning side, we have strength training, circuit training, and weight training. Pretty much, I just envisioned like what I envisioned myself as what, like I wanted a one-stop shop for everything. And what, you know what, when it's like, you've been to all these gyms, I'm like, how could I try and make the best gym for other people through my own eyes? I mean, I'm sure everyone has their own opinion, right? Like, it's not for everybody, you know what I mean? But just trying to have the one-stop shop kind of thing, like with two facilities, like, you know, because I'm a big martial arts fan as well. Martial arts is my life. Yeah, so incorporating that in as well. It's like... That's super awesome. I grew up doing the Kung Fu and stuff. And then and then I started BJJ probably four years, four or five years ago. But then it's been inconsistent with me. And I, I was also going through my own setbacks. That happens, dude. That's a lot. That's a lot of people's story in jiu-jitsu, actually. Yeah, but I find that it always brings me back. And even, especially going through these setbacks and hearing about your story, I find that one thing I've always neglected is that feeling and that sensation of training. Right? The best, man. The uh, best natural high ever. And I've been neglecting it. It's like, why have I been doing that? <laughs> so even as of today, like obviously with COVID and stuff, there's a lot of stoppages with a lot of gyms, but my plan is to get back right into it and full, full force. Now I, I want to talk about overcoming challenges and hardships. Especially, we kind of we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. And your first journey of overcoming hardship began at the age of thirteen. Yeah, and then it continued on, going on to the oil field, going through your struggles. There's this common saying where life will always give you the same lesson until you learn from it, mm-hmm. right? So, being from the age of thirteen to the point where, like you know, you broke your ankle. What was that biggest lesson for you during that time period? Ooh, man, I was good. Like, while I was younger, we, I, I won't dive all into the whole story, but I remember when I got kicked out of my house and stuff when I was like a teenager, even though I had so much stuff done to me, like, I don't want to explain, like, you know, parents, like it was like totally not out of my control, yes. which caused me to feel like I wasn't good enough, you know, like, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Yes. I still struggle with it. You know, today I'm a, I'm about a straight shooter, man. I don't bullshit around. Like I still have insecurities. Like we all do. 100%. I still, you know, have anxiety, depression. As but I, myself, used, yeah. I, I, I played so long into the vi- the victim the victim role of the poor me, and you know I would fucking binge drink and whatever it was when I was younger, and it, well, even when I've been older too, I've done it. But in that you catch yourself in those. I was just the blame game, right? Yes. And then until I realized that you know you're in charge of your own life and your own decisions. So when it came to that realization. Was there someone there to like, you know, slap you in the face? <laughs> like, did you have that one? Oh, I had to. I had to do. I had to do it till I fucked up so many times. I ended up getting a DUI. My second one, I went to went, went to jail here when I was nineteen, and that's when I. And then I broke my ankle in that car, and then I hit a. Yeah, it's just a 
fine. So when I talk back and it's, it's embarrassing to me, but it's like, it's part of my story. And I would never be where I am today if, without the lessons. Right. It's, so the only person that slapped me in my face was myself. And it's being like, if you keep doing this, you're going to fucking kill yourself. Yeah. And, and that was kind of like, I had to make some changes and I made some changes, but I, the feeling that I like didn't fully believe in myself stayed with me for a while, you know, and I obviously still have, everyone has doubts and you know, it's easy to doubt yourself, but feeling that I just wasn't capable, but I always knew deep down, you know, that I had so much more to give. And I was like, it's just like, you know, when you're younger, you can program yourself into a lot of stuff. Yes. So how do you personally deal with self-doubt and self-worth? You mentioned this is a huge thing that everyone is impacted by, even I myself. Every- it's, I just tell myself it's normal. Like every, It's like you got those two guys on your shoulder. You got the shit, the, the shit talker on your shoulder and the one that <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. So it's easy just to be like, oh, fuck, you're right. Yep. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like I just, I kept looking at what I want to do. I'm like, if this guy, like I'd see someone that could do it. And this is a, a kind of not going off topic, but uh, I, I realized that, you know, there's so many, I'm using the term haters out there. Mm-hmm. I used to, and, and then I realized that hate is just a, a mild form of admiration because yes. I get, I have people that hate on me for being a positive. Like, I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here with it or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, but I used to be one of those. Okay. And then I would remember going on social media and I would like be hate. I'm like, oh, look at this. Like, but I'm like, I just want to be like that guy. That's why I'm envious. Yeah. And then I, so get it like pushing past the self doubt. I just was like, dude, like in my head, I'm like, everyone doubts themselves. Oh yeah. It's just human nature you know and if you and if you you don't have never doubted yourself you're just a fucking machine man and all the power to you but you know what i mean but what I'm, from what i know is you know everyone has self-doubt it's what it's just what it's it's like i said it goes back to the pushing through, through factor you know in the one percenters even if you're not a one percenter like you can move past the self-doubt by surround and you know it's it's what you put in your brain and who you surround yourself with and who you talk to about your self-doubt reach out i always tell people like i have mornings like some like sometimes like and I'll reach out to people that are like, you know, they're better in a certain area, like business. Yes. Fuck, man, I'm struggling in my own head. I'm like, I'm going to call this guy and just like not tell him I'm looking for advice, even though I, you know, they already know. Yeah. Just finding ways around the doubt, man. Like, I, I don't know if there's a single way around it because it's always there. Okay. Like, you know, but just telling yourself that you deserve the things that you're working for. And, you know, because it's like, you know, that I'm not enough. I don't deserve this. You know, everyone deserves good. Have you ever struggled with asking for help or even to, oh, like? I think that was... Cause yeah, especially in my like drinking phases. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm an all or nothing in everything I do. So <laughs> when I party, same thing, like I've gone down that road and like, yeah, just accepting that not knowing everything, you know, is, is the most normal thing there is because yeah, somewhere and I definitely, yeah, it's just, the struggle is real, but then it's, you know what? I always, I tell myself, I'm like, I try to be a positive influence because not because I'm, you know, I, I always say like, I wish I had a positive influence like myself when I was younger to reach out to, but I did have a positive influence. I just didn't reach out. So that's yeah. why I always tell people like, you know, to reach out to me, even if I don't know you, I might have some sort of wisdom on something that you're struggling with, or I could be struggling with the same thing that you are. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Even now it's of course, reaching out is uncomfortable. It's always going to, I'll probably, it'll always probably be a little uncomfortable for me, but the end reward of it is always so it always helps. I'm, I could t- totally attest to that. I used to hate asking for help, and it's a weird feeling because it's you. You know, it's it's the vulnerability. Yeah, and I, I you have like, to say that you don't know something. You know what I mean? Ex- and exactly. Like- now, for me, like I, I'm not sure if you would feel like this too, but for me, I'm, I'm, a big part of that too is because like I grew up not depending on people or learning to not depend on people because I also played the uh, victim card. 
And I felt that everybody was always, you know, I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, it's always Aaron, 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 right? So, like, that really fucks you. But I guess, yeah, taking the first step, step and just ask for help. It's okay to do so, right? No matter what it is. Oh, yeah. I still, like, I always tell people, too, like, you're saying about your past. Like, I still like, get in my in the victim mode. Like, this is why I, t- I tell everybody. It's, it's not an overnight fix. Like, it's it's the habits of not letting the mind, you know, let you be a victim and be a poor me and be my life sucks. Yeah. Is that like I said, it's the two shoulders. They're always the other one's always there. It didn't fucking die. You know what I mean? There's those both those voices, and it's like, yeah, you, like you know what I mean. It's just learning how to navigate in your life past those things. Yeah. Now, the time you were in the oil field, I I would think that if I was in your position, it would be a difficult position because you had obligations. You were also, I believe, you were an electrician. Like you were almost done the the Red Seal program, right? Yeah, for I mean, and, fourth year, yeah, but yeah, yep, almost done. And you just said, "Fuck it, I'm not going to do this anymore." <laughs> like, Pretty much. I, uh, I remember just being like, "Yeah, uh, well, Mike, oh, yeah, Mike, our mutual friend, he was like, <laughs> I would remember just being sitting at my lunch table, just every, just the mindset." And he, so this is what I always tell people, right? Like when I like talk about my like what, what, why it wasn't for me, it doesn't mean it's not for somebody else. It doesn't make yeah. the person who's working in the oil field like a loser. Still yeah. a good job, you know. Some people enjoy that. Like I had no, you know what I mean. It's like pays well, uh, yes. really well, you know, or it did anyway. I'm sure other what I was doing right now, but it was just like you know, it just wasn't. I just felt like something was missing from my life, you know. And I, I would, li- I always, I listened to this one motivational speaker, Greg Plitt. He passed away, but I would always listen on the bus in the morning. And he, he, I remember there's this one video. It was called. I can't remember what it was called, but I watched it every day. And it was like, then I get to work and just like. You know, it was the mood of people like how you know, oh, another fucking day, bud. Yo, this is it. And I remember telling Mike, Mike, man, if I have to fucking hear that one more time, like I'm, I can't like, and I spent my third birthday in my camp room and I would just remember like talking to my dad and my ex at the time, just being like, I'm quitting. I'm like, I'm going to start a gym. And it, I remember at my, at my uh, table, all my buddies, like Stucky, they're still like my, I still, I still my friends. Yeah. But they were like, well, I'm like, I've, I've been training for this. Like, this is my life. It's what I love to do. And I'm good at bringing people together. That's like what I, one of my best skills, you know, to build in a community. And I was just like, they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. What the fuck does 99% of people that aren't an oil field electrician do? Something else. Not for, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to figure it like, and you know what? If I, and I always listen to this guy, Greg Plitt would always say like, you know, if you try and fail, it's better to try and fail than not try at all. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. I quit my, I literally quit my job my last shift i booked a ticket to thailand uh to go down there and train and had a fight there in thailand and just because it was always off on my bucket list and as well as it's good for my my like my training career you know like i went and lived there for almost three months i fought there i like you know i lived the muay thai life yeah Uh, and i did that and a it was the best trip of my life i was one of them it was so much fun like i would love to go back all the travel stuff but uh met some amazing people, a couple of my best friends, you know, that's the other thing about martial arts and training. I've met some of the best people I know. And I don't know. I just felt like I knew I could do more in my life. Like I just knew it wasn't meant for me. You know, like a lot of people, what's the point of working your whole life because you work more than you actually don't work pretty much. Like if you work during a regular day, like it's a, it's a huge percentage of your life. And if you're fucking miserable, what, what is even the point? It's not like the money is nothing. Like, you know what I mean? I, I've always tell people like I, I made a bunch of money, but I still spent the same amount of money. I made a shit ton of money, still spent a lot of money. Yeah. I bought a house in Calgary, but it's like, I would rather do something I love and make a quarter of the money and at least be happy because what you realize is the materialistic stuff. And it's just all, 
it comes and goes like the yeah. new truck I would buy. They were cool for the first three weeks, you know? So was this the moment in time where you realized or you came to the realization that money isn't everything? Oh, yeah. Or was that, was it an earlier point in life that also gave you that perspective? No, because, you know, I thought like, I, I was like, this is what I got to do. This is what, this is just what it is. You get, you have a girlfriend, you get married, you buy a house. You know what I mean? I'm like, but I'm like, this just isn't for me. And like I said, everybody is different. That's the great thing about life is no one has to be the same. And that's when I realized money isn't everything. When I got back from Thailand, like my buddy, Chris, he uh, had a condo here. He's an electrician as well. Yes. And he was like, you're just quitting school and quitting. Like you're fucking crazy. But he's like, you can sleep, sleep on my, so I went from making like six over six figures a house in Calgary, still had my house to coming back here. And then my, one of my best friends, Cassius, who had a boxing gym. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do it out of my gym for on uh, two days a week. I had no savings. This is for all the entrepreneurs out there listening. Don't I had no business plan, not recommended. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, I just had so much passion to drum. Like, I'm going to make this happen. So I slept on my buddy's couch because he was in the oil field. And yes. he would live at my house in Calgary. I would say it's gone out here. And because uh, everyone would always like what I learned too is like, you know, this is just goes back to like when I started, I had two people come to class. And then they were like, because the problem, you know, with I don't want to say like the gen- younger generations and the because I'm still a millennial, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> um, you know, every it's the instant gratification. I knew yes. if I just grinded it out, like that's remember how we talk about you just quit. Like yeah. people nowadays, like well, I quit because it wasn't working, and I went and got another job. I'm like, well, how long did you do it for? Well, like six months. I'm like, well, no fucking wonder it didn't work. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, hundred percent. The whole Rome wasn't built in a day. Like I just knew, like it was slowly building, slowly building. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And I, at the beginning of the month, I went, I went from making six figures to like 400 bucks or something <laughs> fucking laughable. But I'm like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep trying this. And what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it's not terrible. There's always jobs out there. That's what I mean. Like, it's like, you're not, you're always one choice, you, you know, you're always one choice away from a completely different life. And it's the saying is so true. 100%, man. And I was actually at a growth conference last year in February in Vegas. And I saw Dana White, uh, like Dana White was one of the speakers. He essentially said, if you just quit your job and do and pursue what you love, what's the worst that can happen? You can always go back to your job. Maybe it might, it might not be exactly the same job, but like you have something to fall back oh, on. Yeah. It's like, take that risk. Right. And I feel that at that moment, you are willing to let it go and focus on what can potentially happen. Things come easier because I I feel like the mind oh, yeah. starts dialing down and it's it's actually like a to do list all of a sudden. When there's you're no like, plan B, when you've eliminated the plan B out of your mind, that I'm like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna go back to this. Like, no, fuck that. Bur- yeah. Like the saying, burn the ship. Yeah. I guarantee you, you'll get to where you're going quicker. Figure it out, like, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, yeah, it's, it's literally you, like because if you weigh it, like you said, if you weigh on those two options, you're not gonna all be all in. You have to be all in. If you're not the all in mentality. Yeah, you know, it's you're never gonna fucking get there. It's just not not gonna happen because you are. You know what I mean? You haven't fully committed. You have to fully commit and be willing to fully fail to realize if you're ever gonna make it. Hundred percent. And I think that goes not just through like entrepreneurship. I think it's every single hardship. Life. It's relationships. Yeah, life, life. One hundred percent. Me and me and after this, my girlfriend was saying that like it's like you know, it, you, dude. It's I won't even get into that. But you you know what I mean? It's a hundred percent. That's just a life. Anyone can take that life lesson, including myself. I say a lot of these things. I always tell people like, like, and I like people that are like, try or like into motivating people. Like I, half the shit I say is for my own motivation to remind myself, you know, people are like, Oh, everyone thinks everyone's got it figured out. No one's got fucking life figured out or else, you know, we wouldn't need this stuff. After oil field, you went to Thailand, 
for the three months, were you training at AKA, the American Kickboxing Academy? Yeah, or? I trained there. I trained at AKA for the first month and a half. I actually met like one of my good friends who's now one of his name's Lamson Grant. He's a Lamb. He's like he's a Muay Thai legend. If you know, if you follow, if you're a follow Muay Thai in Thailand, yeah. uh, I trained there, and then I ended up meeting one of my best friends now. His name's his name's Phil, and you know okay. Phil Androff. He's an Edmonton guy. His name rings a bell. I, I can't yeah. put a face to that name. He was at Phuket Top Team, so I went there for a bit yeah. as well. And then I was living in this area, Karan, Karan Beach, yeah, where, where my condo was. And just down the road where this little, my favorite little Thai restaurant was, it was like four bucks for every like meal on the menu. Oh, my goodness. Uh, there was this little gym, this gym called All-Star Muay Thai, and it was just this little ring in this dude's house. And I went over there, and he had all these pictures at, of AKA. And he was like the old head trainer there, but he was young. His name was Krusak. Okay. So I ended up starting going with him because it was right by my house. I go him in the morning, aka at night, but I got created such a bond with him. And he's like, Oh, there's he's like, and I always wanted to fight in one of the stadiums, this Rawai stadium there. Yes. And he was like, he was like, so like, yo, you want to fight on in you know, 10 days? I'm like, sure. So I ended up training with him the whole time, which was an amazing dude. It's like a buck. It was an amazing experience, just like the whole Thai culture. Like, yeah. I was supposed to fight this some it's hilarious. Like when you fight there in the stadiums, they're like, like, okay, he's like, yeah, you're fighting a Russian, but he's from Russia. He's a pro boxer. So I'm like, that's all they tell you. So I'm like, all right, sweet. In my head, I'm like, this guy could be fucking anybody, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm preparing for this guy, like a boxer. We're in there the day of the fight. He's like, the Russian guy pulls out. You're fighting a Thai guy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's just so foreign, right? You get yeah. there, people, like you're warming up on a cement concrete block in this, in, the, in the stadium. And then I look over, I'm fighting some skinny Thai dude. I'm like, all right, well, this is better than the Russian boxer, but uh, you know, it's just like it was just it was just such a wild ride. Yeah, such a great experience. Like just the whole t- everything about time. Like yeah, AKA I met some great people there. Uh, it was it, like again, it was just like one of my like dreams. I always wanted to go down to Thailand because you know you go to Thailand, it's not a close, it's 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 a, it's a far trip, right? The travel yes. time, all that. That's why anyone I know that I w- would go there is kind of I would recommend at least three weeks. Like at least, oh wow. Because you know, the first two days you're kind of getting acclimated to the jet lag, etc. Yeah, and dude, it was amazing. Were you just in Phuket, or were, did were you able to? I went also... to the island. I went to the islands as well. My islands? main okay. main reason I went was to train. Yeah, uh, but it's like you're in such a tropical paradise. Like you, Phuket's pretty, like it's pretty nice. It's like beautiful beaches. Okay. I would like to go more up in inwards though. Next time, that's we definitely going to go back again. Yeah, hopefully with all this COVID stuff, like going out and just maybe we'll go and just never come back. You never know, you know. Yeah. So, biggest culture shock in Thailand? Like, what was my biggest one? Yeah. Uh, or you can name oh, a couple. No, let's I, just go into the bathroom for the first week. I'm <laughs> telling you, because <laughs> it's a hole, right? There, there's no toilet. Oh, no, it's just like what you eat, man. You're like, am I oh, dying okay. inside or like what is, is this? It's uh, and and yeah, it's just everything. You know what the craziest thing? Okay, and. This is what Thailand, you know, where you're talking, going back to where you're saying when you realize money isn't everything. Yes. Thailand, like literally, was like the best time to quit my job because you go there, the rich people don't even drive nice. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, there is no, you realize that everyone is smiling. Every fucking where you go, man. There's no homeless people because it's all family. Yes. And, you know, you get these guys, the guy, I would call him mom and dad, these guys that will cook for us all the time in our hotel. Okay. They are, the guy's like owns a hotel. He sleeps on the floor where there's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it just shows how little you need to be happy. And it was just like, and maybe for a culture shock, that might've been it. Like just like such an eye opener to what we're accustomed to seeing on our, you know, and just day to day life. Like you need this, need that to be cool or whatever. And I remember when I, 
this is, I don't know why this, I'm bringing this up, but my buddy Chris, when I quit my job, I'm like, dude, I'm not wearing a fucking pair of jeans for an entire year. Because I was wearing shorts and tie I came back with yeah. some hair. And I think I went 14 months without wearing a pair of anything else but shorts and sweatpants. Just to be like, you know, like, because these, the way these guys live, you see it and like, I, I'm like, you know what I mean? It's, it's infectious, just how it's like, it's just so, you know, you realize in life what really, really matters. Oh yeah. The standard of living and just yeah. the purpose of living a purposeful life, right? Quality of life over quantity of materialistic stuff. You mentioned the food was one of the biggest shocks, like especially your first week. Well, cause uh, I'm a good, I'm a good, yeah. Yeah. I just like went all in. You know, I love Thai food, but it's like, Oh, you love Thai food. Okay. It hits the stomach in a different way, man. I was going to ask like, were you like a steak and steak and potato guy? And, and like, you never know. Like, I'm like, I'm a huge, that's a, my other goal is to open up some sort of like food truck or restaurant. My mom was a chef in France and that's like, I, that's my next venture. Who knows one day, but uh, no, the food down there was due to was unreal. It's just like, I don't know what their food safe's a little different than here. Right. So it's <laughs> yes, definitely. And there's, there's also the saying too, uh, in China or Hong Kong, a lot of my teachers are, they would say in Asia, you would, you, you can tell where people are from, where the tourists are. Cause they say like the first person to hit the can is usually Canadian because they have the best food quality and then it's American and then it's European. <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned food truck. You wanted to start a food truck. Like favorite food of yours. Just out of curiosity. Oh, I'm, I'm a I, huge I gotta, I gotta go Japanese. I'm a Japanese? huge food fan. Yeah. I, I do see that your Instagram reels or stories where you're always at like you're showing the sashimi and like the, yeah. the California I got rolls. A good and... with a, one of my good buddies is one of the men. I think I don't know if Anton's the manager or the owner. One of the two one of them. Yeah. I'm definitely definitely a sushi guy. Uh, but I like everything, man. I'm a I'm just a foodie in general. Thank yeah. God I own a gym because I'd be like 350 pounds. <laughs> and I, I've, I've got to ask you this too. Like going back in Thailand, did you have the opportunity? Because let's say obviously you went to go train Muay Thai, but then the, the origins of the roots of the Muay Thai, it's very animal based, right? So you, did you have the chance or opportunity to visit the temples and even see the yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. I went, to, I went to the temples. I did I did most of the temples in Phuket, the big Buddha and stuff as well. That's like the main one or just like a main tourist attraction. But I went to all the temples. Uh, I ended up getting my whole chest tattooed by after I fought there. I got a sake yeah. on the top. And then, uh, yeah, the culture, man, it's amazing. I could live there. Honestly, it was the one place I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I could 100% live in Thailand. Yeah. Just because, and, it's, you know, it's got everything I enjoy, I enjoy. And to add on to that, you have like a you have like a portrait of Buddha in your background too, right? Like in your living room. <laughs> there he is. I got a Buddha um, in the background. I got a Buddha on my chest. My dad was a, a funny enough, he's a doctor on Salt Spring. He was, he was like Buddhist when I went up. He always went to the Buddhist monastery on Salt Spring. Oh, I don't, don't, I don't know a ton about it, like yeah. his, his side of it, but uh, I just like what it resembles. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. I don't really talk much about religion because I, ne- uh, neither I don't know do what I. I'm talking about, man. So, going to the next topic I have here, um, I kind of want to talk about yourself and obviously your martial arts and any anything things coming up in the future. So, I guess to first start off with, I, I was watching one of your fights uh, where you're fighting um, Tavik, and you submitted your opponent. And I thought you looked amazing. I'm I'm curious, like, will we potentially see you back in the ring? Yeah, or... that's why I've been debating it for the last two years. Since I well, then I, I hadn't fought for two years. And then I went to Thailand. Yeah, fought there, mind you, it wasn't the toughest opponent. But uh, yeah, yeah the, the last three years running a business takes a lot of work, and I pride myself on being a really good coach. Like, it's not yes. it's coaching isn't for everybody. I've I've learned, you know, it's, it's it takes an actual skill. And, you know, I obviously like I train, tw- I train twice a day, every day. I've done it for fucking 10 years, but it's all I really know. Right. It's like, I love it. So I don't consider like I need it in my life, especially for my mental health. 
and I can do everything, you know, when it comes to martial arts. I'm definitely going to try to get at least two more fights. That's what I've talked to my girlfriend about now that the gyms run smoother. When, and then I can have, you know, like, because being a coach and then training yourself, it's hard to do both well. And yes. a lot of coaches and people will tell you that. Yeah. So hopefully when COVID's over, I want to jump back and keep competing in jiu-jitsu again more and mm-hmm. as well as MMA. Not a Dustin, one of one of our main guys. I don't know if you, he's one of my main guys. The guy, he's uh, yes, he kind of remotivated me. Like you know, like I'm a really hands-on coach in fight camp. Like I'm in the main sparring partner. So oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's like everyone calls me crazy in our gym, but it's like I didn't know. I'm just like I'm. It's just, and he's re-sparked my own motivation for competing because I know I, I can hang in with like heavyweights like that. Yeah, and he's a, he's a mixed martial artist, not just one area. You know, he can do everything really well and. And you gotta love that. Like he, he just signed with one championship, right? Yeah, like being a local Victoria, you know, like I think we're like our gym is on the map. Like we have like there's I think there's only a couple in the big three, which is uh one UFC and Bellator. Mm-hmm. There's uh Tristan, a couple guys in Vancouver, Arjan, and then some guys in Edmonton. But getting him there and seeing like, you know, we did the whole fight camp, it yeah. was just five of us and like day in and day out grinding, you know, sparring every like had headaches freaking for it was a lot on the body going with a heavyweight right but it's like just seeing that re-motivated myself and like because i already love you know martial arts it's my wife yes uh, but just seeing him and like the whole process like going to philadelphia it was a wild ride like we got to philly and it was like you know middle of covid still we're still in the middle of covid but you know there was a there was the national guard we're all getting cheesesteaks and the whole city shut down during fight week and it's just the whole thing was crazy man but like you know it's just like the you put in the work you know and the, the coming out victorious you know dustin just left his old gym yeah and taking on a guy that was like his previous opponent was like three and one two and one like this guy he was fighting and fought in bellator three times and he, in a big big yeah. puncher jake shields black belt so it was like it just remotivated me man and having dustin win but at the same time i love coaching so much it's an individual sport, but team effort. Yeah. And Dustin win, you know, and getting him into one, you know, as a, it just motivated me because seeing Dustin, you know, that's like 12 years of your life. So people don't understand what it takes to like get to where Dustin's got, you know, yeah. Dustin, he, he motivates me. He shows up every day. We train every single day. Like, but people only see the, the other side. I've kind of lost that topic with it, but just like, yeah, it remotivated me to compete again. So would it be fair to say that coaching and fighting, you don't really, have, you don't have a preference for one over the other. Like they're both so core to your heart that. Yeah, I enjoy. It's weird. I right now I've been enjoying the coach. Well, it's because of what I've been doing, right? Yeah, I love the coaching, but like I, I'm a hands-on coach. Like you know, and same thing. Like I was saying, like when I go down to the LA and stuff, like this last summer, I got to meet. I just like I got I've built some really good friendships by not like being hands-on. Like I I go to like fight. Like you know what I mean? Like so lately it's been coaching but i've been my drive has been more getting back into competing but i'll always be a, i'm i'll say it now and i guess now i'm always be a coach first now because i found a real i found a knack at it and the the results speak for themselves and mm-hmm. but you know martial arts in general it's just it's just my life and training and so it's, if something presents itself which we've done, we've been looking at because it's yeah. dustin's got some good dustin was the havoc champion and the bfl champion so he has really good connections he's trying to we're trying to work something out for me Yes. It's just hard with Dustin being in one one now. Is we're talking about a three week. I guess I haven't told anyone now, but we're talking about a three week fight camp to fight in Singapore at the end of this month. So for me, oh, wow, with my own like fights, you know, it's like that's a two week. It's just a whole like with COVID, it's a whole other ball game right now. Yeah, but uh, Dang. obviously Dustin's he's my focus number one, you know, and the gym is my focus. But 
Oh, that's awesome to hear. Now, I earlier on, you mentioned your friend Tristan out in Vancouver. Is this Tristan Connolly on the UFC? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's, like, one of, he's Tristan's one of my lifelong good friends. I cornered him for his medicine hat fight, like two fights before the UFC. And seeing him do that, you know, it's just amazing. Like, oh, it's yeah. just like, it's another example of if you follow your dreams, like memories, you know, this whole thing, you never know. But what the only thing that could happen is if you fail, but if at least you tried. And for Tristan, as you saw, he did not fail. No, and for our listeners, if you if you have, you don't know who Tristan is, I highly recommend going on YouTube and search UFC and type in UFC Tristan Connolly because he was fighting against Proera. He's like a capoeira. He looked like a capoeira guy. Yeah, or, or he's doing all this fancy like showboating stuff, <laughs> and he showed up. Oh yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was so gratifying watching that. Right, the Canadian yeah. Rocky. Hundred percent. Now, obviously, you said martial arts is a huge part of your life. And for myself, I normally don't recommend, like, I, I don't, I don't believe in telling people what to do. Like, I don't believe in changing people unless they want to change themselves. But I, I know that for a lot of my friends or close ones, or even just people that are tend to be struggling, I, I try to say like, Hey, have you tried giving martial arts a chance? Cause personally for me, I think martial arts has helped me so much with my mental health. It, it is. I would insane. be where I wouldn't be who I, I would, yeah, I don't know where I would be without. Just training, yeah. Whether it be training, martial arts, like especially martial arts for me, I just, yeah. Most people that get into it, dude, they say, "I wish I would have started this ten years ago." That's what everyone tells me. Like one of my my best friends, Cash, is the old, the old. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> he was the boxing coach at the gym. Sorry, Cash, if you're not that old, I know you're listening to this, but uh, he got into jujitsu, and it's I, I've seen the change in his mental health. I've seen him, you know, lean out and like just like I he, you know what I mean, and it's. It does that for me. Like, this is like my, I always tell me, like, my goal as a coach is it's the art of fighting, but it's the art of cha- making be- people better people. Yes. 100%. That's the goal of being a, a martial arts, a leader, a coach, because that's what martial arts has done to me. It's made me a better, a way better person, you know, mentally, physically. It's maybe it shows you, it teaches you respect. It should teach you respect, discipline, discipline. And then the physical outlet for the mental health, like you said, like that feeling when you've just like covered in sweat you know and just like there it is man that's like it's like the it's the it's therapy i'm curious too i, I should have asked this earlier when we were trying to we're talking into more about bjj but what got you started with bjj because you know like being in bc i grew up in vancouver and i've been on the island a couple of times but i feel like in that area there's a lot of different styles you get so many different styles that are introduced into that area so like when i guess when you first started mixed martial arts or martial arts like what made you decide that hey i'm gonna be a jits guy i don't well it's just i always like and i okay this is my goal i always told everyone that like when myself is and i've and i've reached that like when i like i said when i go down to california stuff or wherever like i, I always wanted to be a martial artist like i can go to any class sounds like i'm bragging but i'm not because i've paid my dues i've worked really hard for it like I okay. go to any class with any, pretty much anybody in the pros and hang in whatever class it is. And I'm one of the better, better like, you know, I'm on the upper echelon. Yes. And oh. I started back to the jujitsu comment is like when I was 20, I worked at sport check. And like I said, kind of those shitty years, I was just a lost young, dumbass pretty much. But like, you know, they <laughs> hate life. And my friend Darcy was like, Oh, I do MMA. It's MMA gym. And I looked at him like, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm like, well, I'm going to come. And I was always like, that's how I paid my way in hockey was just being like a bruiser. Yeah. And just got my ass kicked the first time I went. So I was like, this is all, I just fell in love with it. But it was the jujitsu side of it. It wasn't like it is now. Like, you know, we just would grapple. So I started grappling when I was 2007. I took some years off, but I, and I never put a gi on until the first six years. Six oh, years wow. Yeah. I, a gi on. I was a white belt, but I was crushing like 
ever after the purple belt. Like I would crush every blue belt easily. And then I did a couple of tournaments. Finally did one in the gi and I like sub all got all three subs in like less than a minute. And then my, my coach Jordan was just like, here's your blue belt. <laughs> like, this is getting stupid now. And then, and I'm getting my purple belt. I got when I got my purple belt five years ago now, four years ago. Yeah. I've been doing jujitsu for 12 years. I got my brown belt this year, so six months ago now. Okay. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough to like one of my, I have amazing coaches. I got Viviano, Jordan. I my friend Rich here, yeah. Red Rich, they call him. Some of my good buddies. He's amazing, amazing black belt. He's an Andre Galvo black belt, which is okay. Good too. He's a real Andre Galvo black belt. Yes. He's from San Diego, non affiliate. Not that the other ones aren't real. I, I shouldn't have said real, um, but you know what? You get one thing. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, man. And it's just, you know, it's just, the, I just love jujitsu. It's like, it's one of the, my, it's, it's like, again, it's like that therapy. And I always tell people, you know, the mats don't lie. People talk about like getting belts. Like I just, it's just great, man. It teaches you, it teaches you so many things. Yeah. It teaches you so many things about yourself too. Mentally, you know, mental toughness. I, I personally, for myself, I found that like, I, I was in, I was in a very similar boat. Like back then I, when I would compete, I, I would do Sanda. Like, I'm not sure if you heard of the style Sanda or Sansha. It's, it's like Chinese kickboxing. But, um, but obviously one of my weaknesses was, you know, going to the ground. Normally we don't go to the ground there, but like, yeah. again, like the curriculum for where I was part of was, Hey, like you, you gotta get the exposed to that. So I didn't, I didn't do any belts, but I, I didn't even learn like the proper, the proper ways of ways of doing it. It's more so like, Oh, just swim. Like, just do your random swimming, mitigate yeah. your mitigate your space and whatever, right? But until I actually joined a gym, yeah, like actually learning about the proper mechanics, I find that it helps. And one thing that Found- me foundation, was, man, foundation is foundation, um, self awareness. Yes, everything. Well, that's what I would tell all my like students, people I drink. It's all about awareness. It's all about yeah. foundation, and that's how you know how you're getting better is your awareness is getting better. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. I also I did, want. Well, I did some CJ, one of my other coaches. He's a Gracie, Gracie guy as well. Okay. I got to this. I went down and trained with. I went to AOJ. I don't know if you know Art of Jiu Jitsu. So he demanded it. It's pretty dope. And a couple of my buddies in California, Bomb and his other buddy, Stefano, they're. I think Stefan's Kron Gracie. Okay. Black belts. Yeah. It's a good thing when you start getting up there. You know, you get to roll with all the. Obviously, like for you, man, it's it must have been like a dream come true and just a blessing. Now. Back then, I believe there was a point in time where you were ranked 10th in the world <laughs> in, in terms of gaming. For, oh, for NHL a, Online, yeah. For yeah. NHL Online. Like, are Actually, we, I think I was 14th. I never thought then. Okay, you were 14th. So any aspirations of getting back into the gaming? Big deal. World? Huge deal. Actually, me and my buddy Mason, we <laughs> we still play. You can play on the gamer salon online but with your credit card. It's not a good – yeah, it's it's <laughs> – it's tough, but yeah, I know. Well, since I was in a slight little quarantine, you know, I did, I got back down to like 45th again this year. It was my claim to fame, I guess, for my, my, my hockey life. It was better than my junior hockey. Let's just say that. Yeah. It's funny. Actually, I don't know why me and my girlfriend was laughing. Like, remember when we first started dating, I brought that up. I don't know why. Unless just anybody That's else right. use video games for your pickup lines. Let's just say no. that. Hey, times are changing. Apparently, like, you never know. Like, we spend like, more time inside, unfortunately, but yeah, man, this whole like, video game shenanigans or even like even the stock market this GameStop thing that's been going on it's just right? ridiculous i know i won't go, i will save it for another time my thought on the whole now we're about to wrap up the podcast here i've got a, like four more questions for you so for dave pookie are there any exciting future projects that we're, we should expect to see in the future or 
anything like that or big plans? I'm actually starting a podcast. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yes. I, I was going to, well, yeah, I'm going to release it on social media next week or so, but yeah, I'm starting a podcast, my own podcast, something I've always wanted to do. Awesome. What is it about? I want it to be about mental health motivation, pretty much about everything. Yes. Called the Dave Pookie podcast. Dude, that is awesome, man. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just something, you know, it's like the same thing when I started what I'm doing now, you know, I just like, I've always wanted to do this. So I'm just going to do it and go from there, bring local people on local entrepreneurs, just people from all different aspects of life and shoot the shit. And hopefully other people get something out of it. That's like, you know, like what we're doing. Yeah. And Dang. as well as growing the gym, you know, that's always going to be my, <laughs> the foreseen COVID restrictions if they let us, but we're going to keep going. And- I'm excited for you, man. And I think for myself, podcasting, like I use this as an outlet. And it also gave me perspective. And like, I think the most gratifying moment from my podcasting journey is when I've heard from someone saying, Hey, thank you for doing this episode. I really needed to hear this. Yes, dude. And that those are just the most gratifying moments ever. Right. Just the, yeah. Like, dude, it's, like I was saying, I, you're doing a great job, man. I even everything when you sent me the email, I'm like, well, this is awesome. Oh, thank you. I'm, I appreciate I, that. I'm honored to be a part of it. Second question I have is, is there one book or resource? that you would recommend to our listeners that was most impactful to you and your development in becoming who you are today? I know you mentioned earlier on when you were in the oil field, every morning you would listen to that that motivational speaker, but is there one that you would specifically recommend to our listeners that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah, so I'm not a big reader. I just mm-hmm. never have been. It's just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not that I'm not good at it. It's more of a visual. I'm just more of a listener, you know? Yes. So I listen to a lot of motivational videos. I YouTube a lot of them. Okay. Uh, as well as I really like Andy Frisella. He's a Andy Frisella. Yeah. He can be a little too hype for some people, and I become a, yeah. It's just, and I just I just source out like a couple one. If you've never listened to Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan, oh, probably, probably one of my favorite ones of all time. He's 100%. Talking, you know, he's the best man. He talks about life and just yeah, yeah. What we're talking about you know you only got one life and try right you know about writing the book, mm-hmm. your own book of life. That would be the one that if you've never listened to it, I would definitely go give it a listen to. I actually had the privilege of seeing him live talk about, you know, because for me, I, I was like, hey, Kevin Hart's a comedian. I thought like you can't take him seriously. right? But I didn't yeah, know he had no, that thanks. side of him. But then when I saw him live and he started talking about, hey, it's his role, his role and duty is to give back to the next generation. It's about making this world a better place and setting up this world. So it's so it's for, like setting up the next generation for success. Man, that really struck me. And I think that like, triggered another spark for me to do what I'm doing. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so definitely agree with you. Uh, for our listeners, check out Kevin Hart if you haven't already. This guy's inspirational. Even his, his comedy is pretty funny too. <laughs> oh yeah. No, he's the man. I'm yeah. a key, I became a huge fan after watching that. Now, uh, second last question I have for you is, what does being quote-unquote first generation mean to you? Now, I use this term first generation more metaphorically instead of literally. So I define someone as first generation uh, as someone that's paved their own path and definition of success on their own terms. Like no, no matter the hardships they had to endure, the, the haters they had to see, or the negativity they had to face, like they still pursued on and pushed forward. And obviously, many of us walk the same path in our world, but no one walks the exact same path. So that's my definition of first generation. So if I was to ask you, what does being first generation mean to you? What would, what would resonate with you? Uh, I'd honestly relate it to something similar to like what we were just talking about to Kevin Hart. Like, uh, you know, just trying to make the world, I'm trying to make the world a better place and have people that were in my scenario situation previously, you know, I, yeah. again, I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm, it's a constant journey, but just know that, you know, there's more to life than the life you're living. If you're not in 
living the life that you want to live. Sounds yes. really like I rhymed that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the life that you want to live is doable. That's out there. You know, you just got to be willing to try and like, not saying I'm the first one to try, but if I can do it, man, anybody can do it. It's the same people that are did it before me. Like I'm trying to join. So for say the first generation, it's like if there's something you want to do and you want to go after and you feel like you're not living the life that's meant for you. And you know, you'll thank yourself later for trying to go after your own dream instead of not going after it. Even if you don't make it, you'll have another dream after that and you'll be proud of yourself for doing it. And kind of like, yeah, everything. It just is the regards to the mental health stuff we're talking about reaching out and, you know, I've reached out, everybody reached out and whatever you're going through in life, you know, there's always someone that's probably been able to relate to you and it's never that bad where it's too late to do something about it. hundred percent. Just reach out for help. It's, it's, there's no shame in that. And I'll even demand, like I've, I've gone to see, see a shrink. Like I think there's nothing. like a stigma. I've gone to counseling and there's nothing yeah, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Healthy. It is. <laughs> and lastly, where can we find you on social media? Where can we find more details about Dave Pookie and your work online? You can find me at, at Dave Pookie. That's my personal Instagram. Okay. Uh, and then at TFA gym and then at TFA combat. we got the strength spot, the combat spot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm always, I, I, again, I'm always posting. Sometimes I wish I didn't post so much, but you know what? It is what it is. That's just it me. Uh, we got lots to come, man. The next year, next two years, we're not slowing. I'm not slowing down. Yeah, definitely excited. For our listeners, I'll be posting Dave's social media links in the podcast episode description below, so be sure to check those out. And Dave's got a lot of good content on his Instagram. I can definitely tell you that. <laughs> and Dave, thank you so much for coming on to the show, and I really appreciate your time. And yeah, it has been a blast. And Thank you for sharing your hardships and your story. And, Thanks uh, for having me, man. Thanks so much. It's an you honor. are an inspiration. Thanks, man. Thanks so much yeah. for having me on here. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube at First Generations Podcast. For any questions, comments, and inquiries, please reach out to Aaron at firstgenerationspodcast.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at firstgenerationspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode.